This is CliffCentral.com. You're listening to The Bounce Show with Byron Karpinski. I'm Hugh Bladen, and it's on CliffCentral.com. Um, it's Cliff Central, Blades, and it's Ben Karpinski. Why didn't you tell me? Ben Karpinski on CliffCentral.com. All right, back at it with the nemesis of my life with this auxiliary cable. Like, I think we need to get a New York City cable in the studio here. Or it just hates me. Right, well, Palessa, my producer, laughs at me, which is always reassuring. Welcome to The Bounce Show. It is the 6th of July, which is really cool. All American listeners, hope you had a great Independence Day week. Or your hangovers are still there from the 4th. Yeah, fair enough. Make the most of it. But it's a big, 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 big rugby weekend coming up here. Well, in New Zealand and South Africa. Obviously, a lot more so in New Zealand. Wow, who would have thought it? New Zealand can be beaten at home. 49 matches, I think it was, there in beaten streak. Well, no longer. And that is a beaten streak that goes back to 2009. So now they are faced with the most unenviable of records. They have not lost back-to-back since 1994. I think the French had a hand in that. That's a very long time of being excellent. And this is exactly what the All Blacks have been for quite some time. It's exactly what the All Blacks really are. That's what defines them. They just are so much better than everyone else. But they lost over the weekend, and even though people will say, well, you know, they had a red card in the 25th minute, it was raining cats and dogs, and the backline never got into action, a loss is a loss. You know, we can always in the moment nitpick, but it's a, it's a, it's a win for the British and Irish Lions. It's given that much. So they go into the, the big decider this weekend, and good on them, because everybody wanted a three-test series. Nothing worse than when it's decided in two. Remember back in 2009 when the Lions came here to South Africa? It was all done and dusted. The first two tests were great. The first test, resounding win for the box. Second test was that last-minute uh, hero show from Mornay's day and getting the big penalty. And then the third test, well, the box, I think, even rested a few players. They were protesting about something. It wasn't even a packed crowd at Ellis Park. It was just, it was, yeah, it was a letdown. Lions won that, but at that stage, nobody really cared. So, all to play for this, this Saturday. Today on the show, special guest is Tank Lanning. So, Tank is, well, he's a rugby guy through and through. There's no other way to really describe him. He played a bit of rugby in his day. He unfortunately got injured, so he could not carry on as a prop. That was his game. Uh, but yeah, he does have a Western Province jersey at home, which he ran onto Newlands with. Good on him. So what Tank does is he offers pretty good opinion around stuff, uh, local international rugby. And he's obviously one of those guys who isn't governed by uh, hard and fast media houses. So, you know, he does throw his opinions out there. So, therefore, he has a home here with us. So, I'll be getting his thoughts in a few minutes. But before we get into rugby and talk about the various things, obviously, the big factors around this whole all-black decider against the British and Irish Lions, just to kind of bring you up to speed with what else is going on right now, today is, of course, the start of the second or the first test between England and South Africa at Lords. Now, Lords is a great place to watch test cricket. It's a great place just for... 
if you're ever in London and you've got like a spare day or spare moment, whatever it is, even if there isn't any cricket on, just going to Lords is so cool. Like you just, it's one of those places you go to and you have that sense of like, wow, this is a special place. And that's exactly what's going to kind of, uh, face Dean Elgar because it'll be his first time captaining the Proteas and he's captaining at Lords. The sense of occasion is going to be incredible. And if they ever win the toss and bat first or just bat first in general, can you imagine how much is going to go through that guy's head? Because you've got to now open the batting, you're leading the country, plus it's Lords, the start of the test. So that's going to be hugely exciting. And this whole test series obviously runs into August as well. So there's four test matches. It's exactly what us cricket fans have been wanting and waiting for for so long. Enough of these stupid two-test series, even a three-test series. We want the full fat. We'll never get a five-test series because that's obviously just for the ashes. But four tests, nice one. Arsenal spent money. They spent a lot of money. Alexander Lacazette is now the most expensive Arsenal signing of all time, even more so than Mesut Ozil was. And uh, the French forward, well, if he's going to make a big impression, not entirely sure. Arsenal fans obviously getting excited because their big gripe over the years is that Arsenal has never spent money on big players. So when you don't spend money on big players, you can't expect to be a big team. Fair reasoning, I guess. So all credits them for dropping a bit of cash. And there will still be more summer signings, as promised by Arsenal's money men the wallet holders tennis well Wimbledon's on the guard right 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 now I think there's been 12 uh withdrawals from the men's draw already as far as guys getting injured calling the medic and then sort of bowing out and the women's draw Kvitova is the only casualty so far really uh Venus Williams carries on she's got that huge cloud over her about the whole car crash the fatal car crash she's involved in and the British press are trying to pick her up on that which is a bit unfair but very British I guess and uh well you know Bernard Tomic has already said that he was just bored. That's why he lost his first round match. So there's been some pretty dodgy stories for tennis and Wimbledon starting off. But Federer's there, Nadal's there, Djokovic is there, Murray's there. They're all still in. Favrinka has been the only casualty in the men's side. So it's still going to be a great tournament. Once we just weed out the sort of hiccups in the first week and hopefully the weather holds and it's going to be brilliant. In golf, well... We've got the British Open, the Open Championship this month. So I think everyone is kind of just working their way into that one. There's a really great run-in on the European Tour, which starts today uh, on the Irish Open. And then it's the Scottish Open. And then we've got the Open Championship itself, where the winnings have been increased. So the winner will take over $1.8 million, the winner of the Open. It's just crazy. Although Brooks Kepka took over $2 million for winning the US Open. So it's not quite there, but still raise prize money although you say that Wimbledon if you win Wimbledon you get 2.8 million dollars that is just big money yeah we always think that it's the the golfers that make the most money in the world of sport well they don't uh, that's pretty much it for the big headlines I guess the well the women's Proteus team took a hammering yesterday but they still got a very good chance of qualifying in the women's world cup of course, this is a team that's still in the up and up, and they still haven't played a lot of World Cups, a lot of experience, and it's just good to see that they are giving a good effort. You know that they went down to a superior team yesterday, but they went down fighting. They conceded over 370 runs, but they still managed over 300 in response. So they took up decent, decent beating, but still good on them. It is the Austrian Grand Prix this weekend as well. If you're into motor racing, that's a big deal. And well. I think that's about it. I think that's enough. I think we need to get straight into rugby because it's such a big rugby week and because we've got a big rugby guest. Tank Lanning, thanks for joining us. Hey, man. Great pleasure. Yeah. Now, Tank and I have a bit of a history in that 
I first got into radio as such on Balls, which was Darren Scott's uh, channel. He started Internet Radio. And Tank was one of the guys who was involved at the same time. Just like a few contributions here and there is what we did. And uh, from there, well, you know, Tank's had a, a media background that's fast as supersedes mine. So Tank, it's, yeah, I think the last time we actually chatted on air was back in the days of Balls. Which feel, feels like an eternity ago. I'm sure we're both much younger and more handsome at that stage. <laughs> well, certainly I was. I'm not so so sure about you. I oh, know. I'm, I'm just um, I'm clutching at straws here. So, <laughs> Tank. Since then, uh, I know you're very involved with the All Out Rugby crew uh, at the moment. Uh, we had a chat with Selim a couple of weeks back. Interesting guy. Yeah, I love an interesting guy. Zell loves a stat. He loves a play rugby without the ball. Um, but the cool, you know, the cool thing about Zells is that, um, you know, the, his, his opinion is always backed up by stats. And I think, you know, it's the one thing that, that we have done on all our rugby is, is brought stats into a mainstream rugby conversation. And, you know, it's all good and well to have a, a lack of conversation around the bride. You can, everyone can have their opinion, but yeah. <laughs> it's quite fun to watch someone wither away on, on like, like, like a drying up grape on a, on a vine as soon as you throw a few stats, stats into the equation. Now, look, I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, I, look, I love a good stat as much as the next person, but I'm also not obsessed with them. But it's, you know, it's, I think it's important to bring it, bring it into mainstream rugby conversation. And I think that's what driven by Zells and all our rugby, I think that's what we've done. And I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, um, the Vodacom rugby app was something that was a, a, a big thing in, in making fans a little bit more, what's the word? Uh, considered in their opinions because people get very angry and very emotional in SA rugby for good reasons, I guess. But now that there is this whole element of stats and a bit more perspective, it's, it's really is. I think it's helping the conversations and it's helping guys understand the game because the game has become very nuanced in places and also quite technical in places. I think you would agree. Yeah, look, very much so. I think, you know, one of my, one of my biggest issues in the game is, is how, um, subjective it, it has become in terms of how it's refereed. I mean, it's, it's governed by a single person. You know, those guys come in for a lot of flipping heat. Um, sometimes deservedly so, but uh, yeah, I often feel sorry for them. Um, but my primary issue with that is that it's become pretty subjective in how rules are interpreted. Yeah. Mainly because it's not kept to, to black and white, but there's so much gray. And, you know, the one thing about stats that it, that it certainly isn't is grey. I mean, it's black or what? I mean, I'm sure you might argue over the provider of the stats. And, and I, you know, that, that's important. Um, the irritating side of things and, and how it's interpreted and, and, and the sort of the, the lack of objectivity there is a frustration. But stats, in a way, helps us take that out of it. Yeah, I guess so. And, again, it's just making people more, more enthusiastic about the sport as well. So Tank, for quite some time now, you've been writing rugby columns, you've been doing analysis in various kind of forms, and you were the, one of the first guys to really kind of get it going online. You know, like gone are the days where we'd, we'd wait until Thursday where a newspaper would give us a team or it would give us some sort of snippet of information where someone has literally gone to a ground and he had the sole responsibility of, uh, of producing this information. Would you say rugby right now is pretty much more exciting than it's ever been for as long as you've been covering it? Look, in terms of covering it, 100%, um, you know, and I think there's been a massive evolution in how rugby is uh, is covered. I think there's a certain part of the establishment that is incredibly grumpy that uh, uh, whippersnappers such as myself, perhaps yourself, have got a voice. I saw, you know, some a couple of politicians saying today that these people don't deserve a voice. Uh, you know, that's horseman here. You know, that's what politicians love saying. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, 
um, everyone's got a voice. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, you know, is it followed? Is it, um, how important is it? I mean, that's the debatable part. But if people are choosing to, to, to follow that particular voice, then you have to give it credibility. So, and I like that. Uh, I think, um, uh, I suppose you could, you could bring a whole sort of democracy into things. There's it's been a democratization of, of news, and that's certainly filtered into rugby. In terms of the actual game being exciting, that's where I might have to differ with you. I think the game is in a world of trouble. Uh, I'm not entirely sure that the, that World Rugby RB, whatever the hell they're calling themselves, know, know where it's going. Certainly, I don't think here in South Africa we know where the, where the game is going. And um, in general, I just think the game's in, in, in a pretty bad way. Uh, and it's 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 in ICU uh, to, and and needs a proper lot of TLC. I mean, it's, there's some big issues. That said, you know, so covering it is fun because it's always there's lots of things to talk about. Yeah, there's always Sadly, good stories. It's yeah, primarily negative though. Yeah, well, you could say critical. I think negative is a very strong word. Uh, you know, I think everyone who who has a voice, so to speak, which everyone is entitled to, it's about bringing up what is happening. And, um, you know, further to your point, I think the most important thing is that everyone's got a choice. So if you're cuck, you won't last very long. If you've got yeah. something to say is resonating, you will. Um, so like, I, I tend to agree with you. I'm glad you brought up the point. We'll get back to that in, in a bit, but you got to think that the greatest example of rugby is still going to be your top test match, top echelon level of which we got the British and Irish Lions versus the All Blacks. So if you were to look on Saturday and watch that match and for all it's, um, refereeing permutations, the red card, all that kind of stuff. It was a great spectacle for rugby because it was competitive. A few hours later, we had the Sunwolves without tackling bags running drills against the Lions 94-7. So within a space of what, like eight hours or whatever it was, rugby, as you say, <laughs> I mean, <Yeah. laughs> there may be some problems here. But uh, yeah, look, I, I don't want to get into the Super Rugby just yet. I, I do want to talk primarily today with you, British and Irish Lions, and, um, look, it's been a great series. I think the fact that it's been a two team series to your sort of not such big rugby aficionado, they may have drawn in too much into the midweek games. I think those games are always going to be very close and competitive, but it does come down to the test. Um, Sunny Bill's red card aside, are you at all surprised about it is going into a decider? Yeah, I am. Uh, and I think it's primarily because of the red card. Um, you know, bottom line is that there's still, whatever it was, 16, 18 points in the first test. And with 14 men, the All Blacks, you know, it, they were two minutes away from 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 an unbelievable upset against, a, you know, a team made up, made up of four nations. So, yeah, the, the fact that it's come to decide it does surprise me. Um, I, I still believe the All Blacks to be superior. Um, the awesome part about has has been how, how they've approached the game. Um, and I... Uh, we've, we've had Gary Gold, uh, covering it for us on, on, on All Out Rugby and his insight has been fantastic. And, you know, prior to the series, he just didn't know whether Gatlin had a plan. Um, as you say, you know, the, those, those midweek games can be a distraction and they probably were for him, but there certainly wasn't an, uh, a dirt tracker side and a test side going into that first test. Then the wholesale changes going in by, by, by Gatlin going into the second test mm. kind of made, it kind of backed up that theory. Uh, and then they sneak the win. Um, so, yeah, it's been engrossing. I've, I love the Lions. I, I love rugby traditions. You know, I love the Barbars even, you know. Um, yeah. So for me, it's been incredibly engrossing, by far the high point of, of 2017. And I cannot wait for, 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 for um, 
for this Saturday. Yeah, and to your point, I mean, I am surprised that it's come to 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 a decided Eden Park. Um, but I think the lines have been helped. See, I, I agree as well. Now, when you read everything in the media now, obviously they're going to try to devil's advocate, try to hype it up as being, oh, well, anything can now happen because the, the, the lines have tasted victory. But the, there were stages. I mean, the, the, the tries that the All Blacks conceded in that second test, uh, firstly, the, the fact that All Blacks didn't score one was worrying, but they didn't get the ball out to a back line because, well, it just didn't happen. But they conceded yeah. two soft tries and they still lost by three. Uh, Burton Barrett couldn't kick anything that day. He missed two in front of the sticks. So I'm not seeing why the All Blacks should be scared at all. They've made some changes this week, uh, mostly in the back line. Uh, I, again, I don't think it's worth scrutinizing it. But nothing I, I've seen so far suggests that this won't be another double-digit win for the All Blacks. And I think people are just getting sort of getting so caught up in the hype of it being exciting. But uh, I won't be surprised if it's just like the first test. It's the same venue. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it might even be 30 points. <laughs> I think these oaks, you know, unless it's really pissing down at, at, in, in Auckland, which it could be. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I think they've, they've sort of, uh, they've poked the, the, the bear, I think, as, as Gatlin said during the week. Um, uh, but, you know, that said, um, Gatlin seems to have got clever and clever as the tour's got on. And, you know, his only, any side's only way to beat the All Blacks is to, is to is to turn them with astute kicking and tackle them to death. Yeah. Um, and you know now that 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 the All Blacks have gone with Sevilla, you know I think they're always worried about how he turns because he turns a bit like me, but like a tank. Yeah. Um, and you know the Lions have gone with that sort of ten uh, twelve combo, which are, are both tens, a very astute kicking team. Yeah. And they've just they can't fall for the trap um, of playing entertaining ball in hand rugby. What they've got to do is kick like kings. And it's either contestable or it's in the corner, and they're chasing like Billio, mm. um, turning those oaks uh, out wide. Um, although you know, Doug's a whole lot, a whole lot harder to turn as is Jordy Barrett. You know, he's I can't wait to see him play. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the Lions just cannot fall into that trap of trying to play ball in hand rugby. They've got to shut them down, turn them, and play in in, in their twenty-two. And and to my mind, hope for the best. Um, it's like most sides that play the All Blacks, but certainly the the, the Lions. That's that's the way they've got to play on on Saturday. Now, with all this, there has been some interesting stories. That if you were to take some creative licenses, that the All Blacks are in a position which they haven't been in for quite some time. Like people are now scrutinising Steve Hansen about his tactics. What did you make of him pulling off uh, Kaino over the weekend? Obviously, in hindsight, you know we're all experts. But did you think that was a good call in the context of the match? Look, I questioned it at the time, and uh, you know, uh, it certainly was the biggest talking point of the game for, to, to my mind. I mean, uh, in the rain, uh, you're not getting it out past ten uh, realistically, exactly. uh, and you choose to, to you, you choose to take off a, uh, a forward. I, I thought it was a strange call. Um, you know, that said, I mean, these selections are quite unbelievable from from Hanson this weekend. So he certainly doesn't mess around and. and and stick to traditions, and he's anything but conservative. So, you know, for him, um, it, it was fascinating to see at halftime. Well, you know, guys, it's just a challenge. <laughs> we one man down. Let's get at it. And yeah, that's just the, the attitude they take. Is that, yeah, okay, sure, we got we, we one man down, but we're still going to play the same type of rugby. Yeah, and I think uh, as I was alluding to, you know, to get Lower Marpy and, uh, and 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 Barrett in this weekend in the arguably the biggest test for the All Blacks in the last sort of 
10 years. Yeah. It just shows how much confidence they've got in, 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 the, in, the, in the players they produce and, and the game that they play. Well, a lot goes to be said for them always looking to produce a big unit. I mean, if you look, they've got Sonny Bills out, Crotty went down in the first test, so there's your same pairing gone. So you've got to change that out. Ben Smith, huge experience, and he is a 50 in anyone's team. That's all gone. If that happened to other teams, I mean, lesser nations, well, any other nation really, that backline would be shot to shit. It really would. You've lost a lot of structure, but they seem pretty confident. One bit of criticism I found interesting last week about Hansen was the fact that he he doesn't have to change because his plans always work because his players are always so good. But by taking off uh, Aaron Smith, I thought that was a bit of a... It almost seemed like, okay, this is the, it's the 60th minute, whatever Paranara comes on, we, we, we wrap it up. But Smith was having a great game. And it needed a game where composure and just small margins, right? So he went off, things got a bit loose, the tries came in. And Cruden as well, there was that dodgy cross kick when the ball should have stayed in hand. You know, it's, it's small little things like this that I feel might be giving the box hope in that this All Black team has been so good for so long, they've never been tested and had to adapt. But do you think that it's more a point of just wishful thinking again and this team can adapt to anything at any given stage? No, and I, I think that's an incredibly astute and valid point, and it's you know something that Zills and I actually chat about fairly often. He he's part of the brigade, the very small brigade. To think that you know the, the All Blacks are put on a pedestal by far too many people and far too many teams. Yeah. Um, yeah. And 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 I, I think your observation is spot on. It's that it's the first time that they've been challenged and uh, and they've been put under pressure. Um, I, I think most teams. Uh, apart from from Eddie Jones, because he's the most practical coach in the world, yeah. have, have fallen into this ball in hand kind of vibe. Whereas, to, yeah, as I was saying earlier, I mean to play to beat the All Blacks, the only way to do that is to kick a stupidly chase like hell and and, and turn them. Um, and I think that's in a way what, what's happened for for good or for bad. I mean, there have been times when the Lions have put them under pressure using that exact strategy. And I think 100% it must be the best thing ever. For Alistair Kutsia to, to, to see this happening. Um, and, you know, Zells will also be, be rubbing his hands with glee because, you know, he's falling into the, into the ball in hand trap, as he calls it, has just irritated him to death. Um, so I think, you know, you play to, to one's strengths. Um, I, I think what you want to do is when you are in a strike zone, say, like 22 out and, and you've got a, a, a five on four, you want to have the ability to, to make use of that. And I think, that's what the Lions have done, and that's what Alistair's trying to bring to the box now. So having that arrow in the, in the, in the quiver, so to speak, is, is very, very important. And I think that's, what, that's what's come about of this last couple of years of, of, of playing a more ball-in-hand game, is that, is that teams now do have the ability to strike when they, when they can, but you add the practical side of you only strike when, you, when you're in the right zone. And that is the only way to beat the All Blacks, uh, I think. And yeah, yeah, just to, without waffling on, I mean, uh, your point is correct. And I think the box certainly must see a little bit of a glimmer of hope, given what the Lions have done. And they must take key learnings out of it. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's a big occasion for Kieran Reid. It's going to be a hundred tests for him. Uh, he is, and it will go down as one of the greatest all eighth men. I mean, people, the sentimental types might go back to Zinzan Brook, but Kieran Reid, I think, has been, he's just been incredible for this team. So, that's going to be a big moment. Aaron Cruden might make his 50th cap if he comes off the bench, but I, I, there's not too much joy into this. Unless it's going to be pissing down, unless there's a red card, unless it's Wellington in Auckland, I don't see that the, the Lions going to win this though. No, no, no. I, I, I've got the All Blacks doing this at a canter. Um, 
But yeah, as you said, there's, there's, there's a couple of uh, interesting factors that might might play their part. Um, just uh, just on your point about, I mean, Perinara, uh, sorry, Perinara replacing Smith. I, I think TJ Perinara has been one of the standout players of of, of Super Rugby, and uh, you know, he's one of the fundamental reasons why the Canes have been so good over, over the last couple of years, and certainly sure, this year. And you know, I could I could understand where Hansen was going. It's in the rain. It's a scrap, and that you know that guy. That's one thing he knows is how to scrap. Um, so you know to get to to, to if, if if one's comparing the two sides and putting out the, the sort of fine tooth comb, it's that bench which is just incredible. And I I, I have a feeling that that's where it's going to change this Saturday. Is is that all black bench is just is is phenomenal. And I yeah, I have a feeling that that's where yeah that's where the screw is going to finally be turned. Yeah, look, I think 99 out of 100 times I would bring Paranara onto any team for the last 20. But I think in a game that was so finely balanced and required just composure, I don't think your scrum off needs to be a scrapper. I think Smith had a few keys in place. You know, you can still kick uh, very astutely. You can hold things together. So it was just strange to see that something like, you know, as, as, as given as it is bringing those guys in, it's like Artie Sevilla, you know, you'd have, you obviously have them in there. It uh, doesn't apply in this conversation, but I think that was just the one time where I think Hansen might have gone playbook over overhead. Um, yeah. Just getting into Super Rugby, uh, yeah, because obviously the highlight is the British and Irish Lions, but Super Rugby over the weekend, it's it's kind of like it's like you go to a party and then you drop in at a friend's house on the way home. You're doing it because yeah, you're on the way home because that's what Super Rugby feels like now. Teams, <laughs> the, the teams have basically made the playoffs. You know, the only thing to care about is can the Lions keep winning? Obviously, they can. They got to buy this week, but can the Crusaders slip up? That is the only issue left for these remaining rounds because the Stormers can literally, I mean, we can go play for the Stormers. It wouldn't make a difference. They're still going to have that same playoff match. Um, the, the cheaters and the Kings, they've gone. This is the worst kept secret that's going to be announced. I think it's this week, right? Yeah, it's tomorrow. Okay, tomorrow. The Bulls, well, they're looking for pride. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's nothing really to look into for Super Rugby, but the big talking point is, of course, this whole, um, if the cheaters and the kings are going to go, and that is obviously a topic, a separate topic, people are saying, well, you know, then the Sun Wolves, why, why do they deserve to be there? I don't think that's really the issue that is it. It's like the Sun Wolves will always be in Super Rugby. So that's just, that's a lot, that's off the table, but it's what the Sun Wolves are doing. Now, many people might believe that the Sun Wolves are like the Jaguars. They kind of have the best players in Argentina playing for a club, but it's very much not that case, is it? No, not at all. I mean, it, it, it is, for me, it's, it's like almost the eighth wonder of the world. <laughs> Perhaps not quite that extreme, but you know, you put on a, an orange jumper and they're pretty horseman here and they can't scrum. You put on a, a, a blue and white jumper and they've got a pajada and, they, and they're taking on all comers. Yeah. Okay. So it didn't go that well for them against Eddie's uh, second string English, English side. Um, but uh, yeah, they're, they're just, uh, you know, super rugby. Um, as as much as as it is faulted and deservedly so, is a brutal comp. It is seriously hardcore. Um, and it's over so 18, long. 20 it's, weeks. Yeah, um, it's, it's the length. You know, you, you can you can hold your own, but it's just the t- intensity over and over and over. It, it, exactly. You know, and, and the wolves. You know, every now and then they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna sneak a win or, or they're gonna be you know pull something out the out the hat. But 
you know, in, in, in week 17 and you're on the road and you come up against Creel who looks, looks like Robocop running into a, into a, a 10 bin bowling alley, you're just going to come 34th. And I think, you know, with the, with the, with the Jags, that's, you know, that's what's happened. You know, again, at home, they'll be competitive and they've pulled off some, some good wins. But realistically, to, to, to stay, to, to have the, to stay the distance is just so damn difficult. And, you know, it's been the same for the Cheetahs and the Kings and, and obviously all the Aussie sides. Um, yeah, so to your, you know, to your point about, you know, it certainly feels like the second cousin, but I, I bet you in two weeks time it'll be fired up again. Um, you know, because the, the, the quarters, the semis and the final are interesting. And, you know, sure. we'll have five or we'll have four, four Kiwi sides. We'll have three SA sides. So, so it'll be lucky to watch again. Um, this weekend for me, you know, those Aussie derbies are just unbearable. Yeah. But at least we have Force versus Rebels. And so they're the two sides that are going to court to decide who, who's going to stay or not stay in, in, in Super Rugby from an Aussie perspective. So that at least adds an edge. Um, and then, of course, there's a little bit of talk about the Kings being able to, to get past the, the, the Bulls in, in, in Pretoria. Um, I'm not so sure. So there's at least something a, a little bit interesting this weekend. But just on the, on the issue, okay, firstly with, uh, with J- Japan. So they want to develop rugby. Obviously, that's the next World Cup is going to be. It just seems strange that more resources haven't been put into the Sun Bulls because they had a preseason which was laughable. I mean, it was like a few weeks, wasn't it? They even had warm-up matches or anything. So I, I just don't get how it's not seen as like this this national opportunity to kind of broaden rugby and be good because the guys playing in there, I mean, there's some pretty ratty-looking South African guys who wouldn't make teams here. <laughs> uh, or, or maybe did three, four years ago. And this, you can just see those guys who have popped over from New Zealand. Maybe they're working in bars and they just picked up rugby again on the side. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of look you get. And that's, if this is going to be Japan's con- uh, contribution to super rugby, it's like these guys are just missing the point. Like, okay, you want to develop the game in that side of the world. This is how you do it. But then these, these privately owned clubs aren't going to release their players, obviously. So it's like a, club versus franchise debate like it it just seems so strange yeah it does and look i mean obviously it, it comes from a directive from world rugby where their primary objective is to is to grow the game um and that's done geographically because there's there's cash to be made in asia lots of it yep and and hence you know hence the mollycoddling of japan and hence the mollycoddling of of, of the sun walls um jags is the same you know it's just it's only it's only sort of country up, up well obviously it's it's, it's south of America, but I mean, to get into the Americas has to be a massive objective. Yeah. And so, you know, as you say, it's a, it's a done deal. Whether the Sun Wolves would lose every day to the Kings doesn't really matter, um, or, or or the or the force of the Rebels. So, yeah, it's it's an objective to 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 grow the game. But you know, to your point, I mean, then then teams must must reply by by actually enthusing and and, and trying to get it right. But that said, though, I mean. Do you really? I mean, do you really want to be stocking the sun walls with um, Kiwis and South Africans and Aussies? I mean, that that also takes away from the primary objective, which is to grow the game in Japan. So, yeah, I think internally they they're going to need to 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 sort themselves out. Um, you know, but from what I can gather is that it's it's still it, you know it's a it's a big thing for them to be part of Super Rugby. I think. You know, this whole, the whole thing about playing some of their games in Singapore is seriously unfair on them because w- when they're in Japan, they fill that stadium proper, properly. Yeah. And they actually, they, they do perform relatively well. So, you know, it's a bit like the Stormers playing 
in the old days where you'd play a couple of games in Georgia. And it's the same sort of story. So that's a little bit unfair, but, you know, and, that, and that's a demand from, from SA Rugby again, because we, we couldn't make up our minds about not having the Kings. So we forced the Kings upon the competition. And then we said, okay, well, we, we refuse to travel. So then, okay, the Sunwolves are in. Um, okay, but then they have to play the games in, in, in Singapore. The whole thing is a flippant compromise. And, uh, mm. you know, in life, you compromise yourself out of, uh, into mediocrity, I, I think. I mean, they talk about dictators being being bad eggs, and, and most of them were. But for a period of time, they they at least have direction, and they have a they've made a decision, be it a good one or a bad one. Um, and you normally you tread a path. Yeah, you, you, I just find I think rugby's compromised itself into into mediocrity, just to, to say the words again. And, and we just find ourselves in a, in a sea of mediocrity, lack of competitive games, and, and, and a lack of direction. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm waffling. Sorry, but no, no, it's, that's, it's that's one of the really, issues. That's a really good insight, Tank, because you did start by saying, I mean, it's intensive care where rugby is right now, and it's on the back of compromise into mediocrity. So people want to do so many different things that they forget what the original objective is. And, you know, the sun bulbs in Singapore, which is hot as fuck pretty much any day. I mean, the humidity is like Dubai. So they've got to play every yeah. game at night in front of like 20 people that might have just been there on a weekend away en route to Thailand. It's, it just seems stupid. But like quickly before we, we are running out of time here, but, um, Super Rugby to Pro 12. This is the future now for Kings and the Cheaters, right? Now, there hasn't been a lot of talk about this because it hasn't been confirmed, although everyone knows it's happening. But from what I gather, anybody with half a rugby brain is seeing this as a bit of a positive. Well, uh, consider this. Um, it's it's January the 24th. Um, you've had a long year in the, in the office as a South African. And you finally find yourself in Durban or in, in, in Cape Town on Clifton. Are you really going to turn on the telly for Kings versus Ospreys? <laughs> At two thirty, uh, look, I'm, I'm certainly not going to. Um, and uh, I just, I just wonder. You know, they talk about player fatigue. There's also going to be some sort of fan fatigue. Uh, look, I think, I think it'll be fun to start with, and um, it's something different. And I, I, I know, sorry, you want to get into Europe, and this is almost a way of falling into it. Um, but I just think it comes with the massive, massive negative in that. The primary reason for for cutting two Super Rugby franchises was so that we could avoid the player dilution which has happened. So instead of stocking the four franchi- uh, six franchises, we use the same players to, to stock four, and we get back to a more competitive Super Rugby. By keeping the two franchises, and inevitably probably going to stock them with more players because you, you've got to go play in Europe, um, we we then don't solve our initial problem, which is we don't have the players to stock players, six franchises. Right. So that's my fundamental issue. And then comes the secondary one of, yeah, as I say, Kings versus Ospreys or Cheetahs versus um, uh, one of those Italian side, Italian club sides. I mean, realistically, are, are we turning on the telly for that? Yeah, because it is the secondary European tier. They're not going there against Toulon. Yeah, okay, look, there is that. But there's also the thing, well, okay, well, it's that or nothing. So it's like a beggar's choosers kind of scenario. But like the way, the way me and my romantic mind sees this is like guys broaden their, their careers and coaches as well. For coaches to be able to go to these tournaments, granted there's only two teams. So it's not like we get lots of coaches to get the experience, but it is giving us something different. And down the line, again, this is my romantic rugby brain working is that I would love to just make this Europe essay 
an axis of rugby. We leave New Zealand, we leave Australia because I'm kind of bored of that now. We work in this te- in this, this time frame. How we work out the rugby over December kind of thing, which I didn't actually consider, and you make a very good point about fan fatigue. But I, I would love for that to be the future rather than what we currently got. Is that something, yeah. is that, something that, that, that that you might also kind of warm to? Uh, I do, half-heartedly, because, it, I mean, I've seen a couple of columns saying, look, um, we, we need to do this, and they've given a couple of reasons. One, one of the reasons I've seen is that the all black, you know, the, the Kiwis are too good for us. And that, for me, rankles quite quite big time. Um, yes, we've stuffed up the tournament like no other stuffing up has ever happened in the world. But, uh, you know, they go back to an old idiom, you don't throw the baby out of the, with the bathwater. If we, if we want to really, really get back to being a, uh, a top three nation, um, we've got to play against the best. So True, but at the same time, yeah. we wouldn't be drawn into this ball-in-hand thing, which currently we seem to be at a bit of a mess in the last sort of decade, trying to match the All Blacks. We go up <laughs> north, we'll actually get back to the basics and go back to our strengths. Yeah, which, you know, also, uh, I, I can't take. I mean, I was I was part of the crusade. I mean, Henneke, I think, is w- one of the more astute rugby guys in the world. But, you know, if he, I think he fell into a trap of playing boring Venn rugby. And I, I, I think, as a, if you're going to be a top three nation, you've got to have more than just one uh, one game. I mean, it is, uh, I think, taking England back to the basics because they needed, they needed to win, and, and he's done an incredibly good job. Um, but they also they're conditioned like no other side in the world, and I think they'll they'll start to bring an attacking game. But you know, just back to my my point I made earlier is that I think you want to attack from from certain areas on the field or from certain situations. How you get yourself into that situation is normally down to your primary way of playing. And in, in South Africa, you know that was using brute force trauma up front uh, and one off runners. But I, I, I simply cannot be part of of something that. That says that that's all that South African rugby can be. We 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 have to bring more to to the game. Uh, and I think, okay, so we might have we might have gone to to the ball in hand side of things a little bit. We might have gone over the top, and we might have ditched defence uh, and kicking completely in the physical side. So we need to, you know, the 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 the, di- the dial will eventually come back to somewhere in the middle, um, where hopefully we can we can mix uh, uh, our traditional strengths with. With an, uh, an attacking side of rugby uh, that delivers tries because we're doing it from from good scenarios and good parts of the field. So I think that that's our key learning that we take out of falling so-called falling for the ball in hand approach. But realistically, that is rugby. I mean, the All Blacks are rugby. That is why people watch rugby, and people you know it might take a long time, but that's where teams have got to go. Yeah, it is. It is. They are rugby. Uh, Tank, just finally, the, the box, uh, just your sort of preceded thoughts around that three test series. Is there quite, an, is there quite a lot to draw in it or were the French just also really quite shite? Look, I must say we, we did the numbers extensively and the, the, that French side was unbearably poor. Oh, their attack was narrow. Um, everything was, you know, nothing got past sort of first center if they were lucky. So they were really, really easy to defend against. But I think there were some incredibly positives to take out. Um, you know, Alistair eventually had time to, to work on some planning, uh, and I think that played its part. For me, the, the biggest, biggest change there has been Whiteley. 
Um, it was something that, that I was calling for last year. I said, ditch the overseas players. Let's go local. Yeah. Uh, let's build a culture that we, that you can work around. Uh, not necessarily a Lions one, but one, and you know, I had a long chat to see a Khaleesi. I was up in, in, in Joburg for the, for the, oh, well, I saw you at the, at the, at the Bright Rock. All oh, right. And, yeah. Uh, that was a really cool event. About, you know, and I had a fantastic chat to him. Uh, and he just told me that, you know, the, 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 the the culture and the, the how how the team is working and um, the Gears is the best he's ever been in. Now we all know how terrible it was in 2016. I mean, yeah. there's a story that goes around that Scarra wasn't even noticed because he didn't he, he missed the team meeting. Um, whereas now people are getting points for helping Granite cross the road, and it's about playing for the jersey and it's about playing for each other and it's about you're not you, you don't piss out of Cologne, buddy. Just because you play for the box, you you actually you earn that right, and 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 it's a, it's a tremendous privilege. And I think I, I think Whiteley's been played a huge part of of bringing that culture back to box rugby. And I think it's together with what you know, the structures that that Fent has brought uh, in terms of defence and kicking. Um, uh, there's some massive positives to be to be taken taken out. Now I'm wonderfully excited. Uh, I mean, obviously it comes with the provisio that let's see how we go against the Aussies and the, and primarily the Kiwis, but, oh, it was fantastic to see the change in, in, in the Bok culture. And that for me was the big takeout. Well, I think we're going to see the Aussies are looking to flash. Italy beat Australia. So I think we're going to have a lot of confidence going to all black test, which yeah. for, for better or for worse, it's, look, it's all in the right direction. I guess that's all important. Tank, uh, that's what we're going to wrap it up there. Where can we find more of you on a week to week basis? Just for those who may not follow you on Twitter. Okay, so yeah, uh, so on Twitter I'm yeah, Frontier Grant. Um, uh, every now and then I talk about cricket uh, on, on Tank Landing, but primarily uh, I look after All Out Rugby. So it's alloutrugby.com. Uh, I've got a, a, a weekly column uh, on that platform, and uh, yeah, that's my that's my baby at the moment. Cool. Well, I'm all for credit where credit's due. It's a great site. It is something that I reference for. The site's uh, stats are really cool, and again, you know, you and Zell do a really great job with that, and can only be applauded for it. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I reckon All Blacks by 16. I just had a look at the weather. There'll be some slight precipitation, nothing too tragic. Right, I'm with you. Let's hope uh, our Superbury points on on, on Sunday afternoon concur. All right, nice one, Tank. Thanks so much. Cheers, man. All right, that's uh, Tank Lanning. So yeah, like I was saying uh, when I chatted to Zellamnell as well, there's some really great sites out there run by people who not just know what they're doing, but they really enjoy what they do. And it definitely comes out in their work. So Tank's one of them. All at rugby.com, catch more of him. Otherwise, at Front Row Grunt on Twitter. And you know, Tank's been in the system for quite a long time. So when he talks about talking with players, he is generally talking with the players. This guy drinks with the best of them. Okay, we're going to wrap it up with some crickets. And uh, if you just want a bit of a break from, I guess, hearing us talk flat out, you remember a while ago, probably like over a year ago, Shooter Williams, okay? He was the original Aussie guy who would commentate stuff and sound crude and crass and all that kind of stuff. Aussie man took over, but now Shooter still does very, very well on the cricket. Um, oh, crap. I just realized this auxiliary cable's screwed. So I can't even play this clip. Okay. The Bounce of Seattle today, the whole podcast always goes on there. I'll put the clip on there for you and you can watch it because it probably does actually need the visuals too. And the audio is funny as all hell, but the, 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 the visuals are definitely needed. So if you are listening live an hour and a quarter until we get into the first test between SA and England, it is, well, obviously the big highlight of the, the cricketing year so far this year. The white ball stuff was all good and well. 
result-wise, didn't go so well for the Proteas. England are winning that's the ODI Series 2-1, and they won the T20 Series 2-1 as well. And in between there, there was that Champions Trophy, which, well, we'll all need to forget about from a South African perspective. But it gets into the Test Series, and, well, it's a very different game. Obviously, I'm not just talking about because of the ball and uh, all that kind of stuff, but it's just very different because this Proteas Test team has been building some nice momentum, Okay, they do not have Faf Duplessis because he had a child, or his wife had the child, of course, uh, and he's still in South Africa because of complications, or he just wants to spend time. He's totally entitled to do that. It's a good thing. So there's no captain. So Dean Elgar now comes into it. He'll be the captain for this first test, and hopefully not the second test, because I really hope that Faf will be back. I think Faf's a fantastic test player. He's got the right temperament for it, and this team is basically built around it now. Since AB's gone... It is all but Faf, and his captaincy has been absolutely brilliant. So much so that everyone now kind of thinks he should captain all the different teams. So, Elgar and Amla, they're going to be your sort of uh, stalwarts in, in the top batting order. Uh, from there, Heino Kunzberg are going to come in and open the batting. And then a lot can be expected or hoped for out of Tienis Debrain, JP Dumini, and Temba Bavuma. So, this is my only problem with approaches right now, is that I reckon England are going to be quite rusty, right? They've got Broad and Anderson coming back from injury. Root's first time it's as a captain. Uh, Stokes has had his issues with injury as well. Roland Jones has come in because Ball is injured. And then Dawson as well, hugely inexperienced at this level. These guys are going to be, they're going to be rusty. They've had to bring Balance back as well. So. My only problem with the protest right now is that that batting collapse always feels like it's quite close. No matter the formats, you know, you get a couple of shaky wickets in the middle that might or might not involve JP Dumini and this team could be on the ropes quite quickly. Bowling wise well I just think that in Kahisa Robada and Mon and Morkel you're going to have two guys who are going to perform well. I think Maharaj has come on so nicely in international games so far whether it's going to be a step too far for Philander to really pick it up because you know he's had the ankle injury he has been ever playing county cricket so his condition is going to be an issue it's an issue most of the time so whether he can put in like a good 20-30 spell 20-30 overs in the innings kind of thing that's going to be remain to be seen so it's all looking so well contested I feel for this test series obviously home ground advantage is a big deal for England but out of the last five times these two teams have played at Lords which is the first test venue South Africa have won four to five times. England have only won one out of the last six, actually. And that was against New Zealand. So they don't have, have a very good record at Lords. I know these kind of stats are, well, they're nice stories. Whether they are going to be pertinent or not, well, it may to be seen. But there's something to be drawn from there. I think as far as uh, Seema's conditions and assistance from them doesn't give us much at the Lord's pitch. So the, the foreigners do do pretty well there because they're more all-rounded. But as we go up country in England, you're going to see that ball swinging. It's going to be doing all kinds of things, and England will definitely have the advantage there. So that is what you've got to look forward to. First test starts today, right here, 7th of, sorry, 6th of July, and it will go right through into August. Four tests, like I said earlier. So you got that to look forward to. There's the Women's World Cup. Big drama in the Tour de France this week as Peter Sagan was, well, he was told to please leave because he knocked Mark Cavendish into the sideboardings and with that, Cavendish broke his shoulder. So there's big drama there. If you do love cycling, of course, this is like this is like the Masters, so to speak. This is the pinnacle. This is like the Ryder Cup. It will use whatever big analogy you want. The countryside in France this time of year is also spectacular. So even if you just like watching scenery, you got the Tour de France. Wimbledon, obviously a huge big deal in the first week still. No real major um, f- 
casualties, like I said at the start of the show. All the sort of big names are there. Mavrinka's gone, but he doesn't really feature on this level. On the, sorry, on the, on the surface. And then golf. It's the Irish Open, which Roy McIlroy is hosting. And of course, he's defending champ. Beautiful links golf on the European tour. So this time, the Irish Open next week will be the Scottish Open and it's the Open Championship itself. If you are looking for some Super Rugby, like I said earlier, 9.35 South African time will be the decider between the All Blacks and the British and Irish Lions. But for some more localized rugby, on Friday, which is tomorrow, we've got the Reds versus the Brumbies, 11.45. Brumbies pretty much top things up in Australia, so... Again, a lot of these games have no real meaning. The Force versus the Rebels, that'll be at 1.55 Friday, South African time. Now, as Tank was mentioning in the interview I just had with him, Force versus Rebels, one of these teams will no longer be in Super Rugby next year. There's going to be a messy court case involved. There's just a lot of bitterness off-field. So how this translates into on-field clash, well, it could be worth watching. They're both pretty average teams, so it could be very tight, could be very tenacious in there. And then Saturday, after the Lions clash, where the All Blacks are guessing will win by about 17 points, we've got the Waratahs versus the Jaguars. That'll be at quarter to 12. The Bulls take on the Kings. Now, the Kings beat the Jaguars last week. So whatever this travel involved to Argentina, you can kind of, I think, minus seven points from a team. I've done that route. It's not easy. And uh, I did that route till I had to take full contact for 80 minutes. It's not easy travel does catch up on you. Although you do get over the jet lag, you're still out of sync, right? So if you were to minus seven points from the Kings, you got to ask yourself, will they beat the Bulls? And as much as the Kings have done amazing things this year, the Bulls had a big win last last week, lots of momentum there at home. So you're going to think the Bulls are going to win that one. That'll be at quarter to five SA time. And then the Stormers will take on the Sunwolves. That'll be at 7.30 at Newlands in Cape Town. It won't be another 90-pointer. I just think the Lions play a much more expansive, faster match. Plus, Ellis Park is a is a ground where you will get higher scores. That's just science, really. So that is it for this week on The Bounce Show. Catch everything else. I've written some cool articles on thebouncer.ca, including everything that happened in June. There's a comprehensive wrap-up of all the big things that you might have missed over last month. And as we go into the second week of July, well, the live action is plenty, plenty. Otherwise, follow me on Twitter at follow the bounce, the bounce on Instagram, and then my YouTube channel, of course, the bounce. I've added a new video last week, and today I get to hang out with the English hockey team. Uh, this is a really cool investing event I'm going to. So I'm going to make a little video around that. You know, I'm doing this whole fitness challenge where I'm trying to run a sub 100 meters or sub 12 second 100 meters. So I'm going to go chat to the girls about speed and what they do to up their speed and the importance of speed in a team sport like hockey. That's pretty much it. I'm all talked out for the day. Thanks so much for joining me. And uh, yeah, onto the bounce.co.za. You can catch the full podcast plus the clip I couldn't play because the auxiliary cable is not going so well. Anyway, that's enough for me. Catch you next week. This is cliffcentral.com.